Hi Gamer Nation, this is GM Farbauti and his cat Morpheus from Germany. We never listen to the Order 66 podcast because 65 orders are enough. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Bienvenidos al número 58. Wait a second, wait a second, never start off. Hello and welcome to episode number 58, the Order 66 podcast. Your number one podcast for Star Wars Saga Edition Gaming. My name is GM Dave, I'm one of your hosts, and with me <laughs> as always on this beautiful Sunday afternoon that would be called the Ides of March is GM Chris. How auspicious. What is up, Gamer Nation? It is I, GM Chris, here with my good friend GM Dave. And as he alluded to, uh, this is, of course, the Order 66 podcast, the only fan-generated podcast entirely devoted to the glory, the power, passion, and unadulterated blue milk beauty of the greatest D20 role-playing system ever created, Star Wars Saga Edition. Yep. That's it. That's it. That is it. That is 100% it. So you had a game today, and I thought I was going to have to fire off games, take priority of the show, but you got it. No, no. Cat has good time management. Yes. No, man. I I literally, I got got out of this game uh, half an hour ago. Um, Yeah, my good friend Cat ran her first game, her first time behind the DM's, GM's table, screen, chair, whatever you want to call it. And um, yeah, it was fantastic. It was a a Dark Times game, and... um, it was a lot of fun. She did a fantastic job. That's right. Do you know, do you know what the best part about it was, though? Mm, what was the best time? What was the best part of it? Okay. Right at the beginning, she, she gets this end uh, media ray where we're, we're all working for the same goal, and we're stuck in a cell because we've just been kidnapped. And the guys who come to break us out, one of them is a Tagorian, you know, the big the tiger-like cat people, you know? Yeah. He's a Tagorian named Hobbs. Hobbs? That's... And his human partner... Is named Cal. Cal. Okay. Ven. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. It was utter beauty. That's just greatness. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. It was fun. Good stuff. It, it will Good leave game, me Cat. yearning for more as I learn more about this um, game that you guys have. And by the way, I've begun writing my Rebel Era game. I know. I'm so excited, dude. I know. I'm so excited. For those of you who may not know where, and you probably are not because he hasn't mentioned it yet, GM Dave is working on his first campaign in the system. You're going to step out of the PC shoes, sir. Finally. Oh, I'm so excited. You're an excellent GM. Um, you, you, yeah, I just, I, I can't wait. Oh, uh, I can't oh, uh, wait to oh, bust your chops. Yeah, and I know you'll do it too. That's the beautiful. That's the beauty as a player. Of it. Yes. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Yep. Okay, so uh, we want to say welcome to the chat room. Hello. There's only, um, looks like 56 of you in there, so it's a little bit of a low crowd today, but, um, you know, 
It, uh, we are also an hour earlier, and with the time change, you never know. It's actually still light outside. That's kind of crazy. It is creepy, even. So, let's get started. Yes. Announcements. What announcements do we have, sir? Well, let's say, first off, episode number eight. That's Ocho. For all you guys in the chat room that speak Spanish and Korahor over there trying to tell me that I pronounce 58 wrong, uh, 58 wrong. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about because that is 58. Word. Episode number eight of Meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast is up. Mostly Joe has uh, Jerry Grayson of, help me with this, Kepera. Uh, yeah, Kepera uh, uh, Publishing. Kepera or Kepera. I've heard okay. both. Yeah, Publishing. And they're talking about D6 Powers Revised and a whole system. bunch of other good stuff. Very cool. Yes. And while you guys are over at uh, d20radio.com website, checking out this big podcast, you can, of course, sling on over to our good friends at Radio Free Hamlet. Uh, DM Tim and Kate and uh, David and Jackson and... Uh, they, they finally got Adventure 15 up, um, getting around to publishing the second half of their DDXP visit, um, focusing almost entirely on RPGA goodness and plans coming up for the RPGA. So that is pretty freaking cool. Heck if yeah. If I don't so myself. Heck yeah. Uh, game on number 13 has uh, also jumped on the airwaves. Sweet. Yeah. And uh, I honestly don't know what that one's on because I haven't listened to it yet. Um, it's skills. Uh, um, in particular, you, you, uh, I, I love this topic. I can't wait to hear it. Um, I read the blurb and I was so excited by it. Uh, they talk about using games to teach skills. Uh, you know, to teach basic skills. You know, stuff like that. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting cast. I can't wait to hear it. Righto. Righto. Very, very cool. And then uh, we, it just keeps coming and coming. Holocron 7 is up, is it not? Holocron number seven is up. It was up uh, late yesterday, I guess it was. I put that one up. We talk about the Bounty Hunter class that has, has been confirmed by our friends over at BioWare. Awesome. And other classes that we saw in the new trailer that was released. And um, some more races that we've seen in the trailer as well. As well as, uh, as, well as the planet Utapau. That's awesome. I'm The older public is so going to consume my life. Yeah, mine too. Probably. I'm very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we also talk a little bit about the guild and structure and all that stuff. And, and uh, the more I think about it, the more I really should actually go back and, and uh, take the last part of our podcast off because it's too early to start talking about guild structure for us. I still think it's too early. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with you on that sentiment. But it's fun to talk about it, come up with some preliminary plans. Yeah, yeah, you know. I think we and, already uh, know. yeah what we're doing with that but it's still it's going to consume all our lives yes it is and speaking of life consuming and uh the uh last podcast on our wonderful little network or excuse me second to last podcast um uh the small but vicious podcast of course devoted entirely to uh um to warhammer fantasy rpg role-playing um gonna put out an apb on old school our buddy william over in glasgow uh oh, he's been yeah. kind of uh, kind of uh Missing for the past couple weeks, yes, no? Yes, and yes, and yes, actually, because I think he's supposed to be in a Friday Friday game with uh, Fiddleback and uh, Joe, and neither one of seen no, neither one of them have seen William or Old School in like uh, two weeks. Really? So I put a post on his Facebook page trying to get him, but you know, 
Nothing, huh? Nothing. Zip. End of story. Wow. That's, wow. Well, hey, William, if you're out there, let us know you're alive, buddy. Hey. That's right, man. People are worried about you. Chop, chop. But you guys can get a glimpse of all the uh, wonderful new episodes for the podcast that are out there, of course, at our website, d20radio.com. And while you're there, take a swing on over to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum, where you can do uh, two very important things. One, you can sign up and become a member of the Gamer Nation. And two, uh, you can, while you are signed up and you know, logging and blogging and uh, posting, as any good Gamer Nation member should, you can... Uh, Give us some ideas. Or in particular, give Nick over at Crazy Custom Tees some ideas because he is bringing up some new t-shirt designs for D20 Radio swag. So if you get to the forums right now, you uh, can head over to the D20 Radio, D20 Radio swag thread and speak your mind on what new types of D20 Radio t-shirts you would like to see. Yummy. And that's very, very cool. And I like it a lot. I like it a lot. A lot. So, okay, Dave, there's been a lot. I know last week there wasn't a whole lot to talk about as far as juicy bits of web goodness goes. Not at all. But we have a few things this week, do we not? Just a few? Yes. That gigantic thud that you heard was Amazon dropping another big ball. Ooh. What did they what 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 did they drop the ball on this time? Okay. There has been no uh, official announcement from Wizards of the Coast. However, a quick perusal of Amazon.com will show you the Scavenger's Guide to Droids to be released on November 17th. Oh, snap. <laughs> and we'll have Rodney on next week, and he can address that. Or, or actually, I sincerely doubt he'll be able to address that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in any event. Um, okay, so if you like something more recent, then, of course, this uh, Scavenger's Guide to Droids coming out next November. And you're uber excited about the Legacy Era Campaign Guide. Uh, and maybe you'd like a little taste of what's inside. Uh, Watsy gives us the first hit for free. The second, of course, will cost you. Uh, available for download right now um, are the preview stat blocks uh, from the Legacy Era Campaign Guide. Guide for uh, everyone's favorite Emperor in Exile, the infamous Rowan Fell. And his um, luscious, I think that's a good word, uh, daughter, <laughs> uh, Marisiah Fell. Um, and you can find that right now at Watsy's official Star Wars RPG page, uh, which is, of course, www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. Have you seen this thing yet? Have you seen the picture of that chick? I certainly have. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare it to Seinfeld at all. No, probably not. Okay. <laughs> and other juicy bits of web goodness, sir. What? We, we, have, we have a new download in our download section, right? We have another new module? Ah, uh, yes, we do. This would be a level 8, as I have been corrected from the chat room. A level 8. I'm sorry. Yeah, level 8 one-shot. Cool. Yep. For Star Wars? For Star Wars Saga Edition. And it is, uh, it is a... Operation Overwhelming Justice? It is, yeah, it is a Imperial, that's the word I was looking for. It's an it's the Imperial side of a one-shot. You guys are Imperial officers and whatnots or whatevers, and you're uh, actually hunting down some Jedis. That's awesome. I can't wait to play. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. More juicy bits of web goodness. And, um... Of course, uh, as as Dave mentioned earlier, um, Rodney's going to be on the show next week. Aha. Uh, because, of course, the Legacy Era Campaign Guide is coming out. As a matter of fact, it hits the shelves March 17th, and it 
better become a part of your library. So go to your FLGS today, tonight, even though it's late Sunday. Go see if they're open. Um, reserve a copy right now if you haven't already, or pre-order via your favorite online purchaser. It, uh, it promises uh, to be much goodness. And in fact, next week, we are hopefully going to be graced with the presence of not one, not two, but three very special guests, um, in addition to Mr. Rodney Thompson, uh, who will help us unveil the glory of uh, the legacy era with the pomp and proper circumstance that it deserves. But of course. But of course. So hopefully joining us will be also co-authors of the book, Mr. Sterling Hershey, um, and Gary Asleford, uh, who will also be joining us for the first time. The first time for him to be on the show. Yes, yes. We're going we're gonna to pop his cherry. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. And we have one last announcement, do we not? This you, I think is pretty freaking cool. You know what I heard? What'd you hear? I heard that another book is coming out with the errata. Oh, it's uh, it's out. Yes. Oh, it's freaking freaking cool. Um, you know what excites me most about this? What? Um, is that this game has been now successful enough to warrant a reprinting. Which yeah, is not it's getting there. Common. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. And then so, just think, Dawn of Defiance, as you as you play and report that you've played it, just think, that's going to lead to something new for us. Oh, one can hope, one can hope. But yes, there is a brand new second printing out of the Core Rulebook. Um, and as you mentioned, this reprinting contains all of the November 2008 errata. Uh, so uh, for those of you, like me, who are more than willing to throw down another paltry 40 clams for a Core Rulebook with all the updated errata printed into it, it is there! But uh, the question... Big Day, how do you know if that book that you're about to buy is one of these second printings with uh, all the errata in yes. it? ISBN. ISBN, thank you. And a uh, big shout out to Donovan Morningfire for uh, giving us this info. But yeah, the ISBN. Um, pick up the book, go to the credits page, look at the ISBN listed. Um, there should be a numerical countdown starting with nine and going down as you read it. And the second printing uh, book will end with a two. So, very cool. Yep. Then there's just, there is, of course, just a simpler way to, to find out if it's got the errata, you know, printed in it, which is, you know, just p- yeah. pick up the book and skim through it to a certain point where it should be errated and, and note if the errata portion has been, you know, printed. Right. I guess that's the the harder <laughs> of the two. So you can still it do is, it that it way. Is. Yeah. But thanks, Donna, for keeping us up to date on that. Much appreciated, sir. Beautiful. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, is, is Cody going to be back with us this week? Because... Um, Deanna will tell you that she didn't do this the greatest job, and she feels bad about it. But um, I liked it for short notice. It was fantastic. I mean, I'm sorry I couldn't be. Yeah, I, I have a postcard from Cody. It came last week. I just, you know, I, I kind of forgot to bring it with me because I got such a late start last week. But yeah, I've got this new postcard right here in front of me. Well, it's a uh, it's a blue hued postcard. Uh, with a picture of a rather strange world with pink-tinged cloud cover and two very large moons. And the friendly caption below reads, Welcome to the heart of the bright jewel, spacer. Ord Mantell welcomes you to our fair port. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. GM Dive and GM Chris. Hello, fellas. Finally, I can write to you this week with some action. For the first time in a long time, a man and I have a chance to be in an honest-to-good firefight. We're in the mid-rim and the bright jewel cluster on the planet Ord Mantell. This infamous world has always been a haven for scum and 
villainy, smugglers, spicers, mercenaries and exiles, despite the heavy tourist traffic it gets, travellers can't seem to get enough of this world's strange beauty. I must say that I too find it impressive. Mountains are the predominant feature here, but the sky is dominated by this system's bright blue star and the pink cloud cover it produces. Though Old Mantel has 15 moons, the two largest are so big and bright you can see them in the middle of the day. Old Mantel is also home to exotic wildlife, including the legendary Mantellian Severin. I hear these reptilian brutes are great sport for hunting. Some liberal radicals claim the Severip are sentient beings with a, a culture and a language all their own. <laughs> Rubbish, I say. But listen, I'm not here on Old Mantel to enjoy the sights. We're here as part of an events detachment, here to hopefully apprehend a smuggler and rebel scum sympathizer. Our sources have told us he was due to land here a few days ago. We're, unfortunately, being directed by a bounty hunter. And not just any bounty hunter, but a droid bounty hunter, no less. I'll never live this down. I despise working with bounty hunters. We don't need their scum. But Lord Vader has insisted. I just hope we can bring down this droid after we bring down the rebel. <laughs> well, listen guys, we're storming a shipport soon. I'm so excited. They even say this fellow's got a Wookiee with him. That should be fun. Wish us luck. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend. Commander Cody. Well, a fine piece of work yet again. Oh, by our he always takes friend. time to write us such nice postcards, don't you know? Yeah, I know. You know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. So, and uh, before we go much further, you know, we have Stormtrooper Poetry. Oh, that excites me in strange ways. And now... Stormtrooper Poetry. I thought I might be a rebel once. It seemed easier than training for months. They let just about anyone in, as long as your view of the Empire's dim. You never see them march in order. They don't line up at your border. Wait for days for orders new. The only problem I could see was getting shot by the likes of me. I mean, how embarrassing would that feel? We can't hit anything, really. There's not a lot of weapons training in the Empire. They kind of hand you things and then send you out. Yeah, so I stuck around. Stormtrooper poetry. There you go. <laughs> oh. Okay, that that was pretty good. Yeah, it always is, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Fiddleback. Of course. Oh, and we got this phone call. Hey, love the show. What? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I do like throwing that in every once in a while from the days That's, of old. Oh, yeah, I remember when we got that too. That was what, like our fourth episode we got that call? Dude, that was one of the first calls we ever got. Uh, it was like right after you set up the loser line and we'd, uh, we'd broadcast it for the first time. And of course, if you guys have any bumpers you'd like to leave for the show, um, anything crazy like that, you could of course call the loser line, which Dave is... 206 600 Seven a two, L U S A Lusa. Lusa. And uh, one of the things you can do on the Lusa line is, of course, call us with any questions you might have, uh, which is always a fun thing to do. We will answer them on the show in a nice little segment we like to call <gasps> the D Twenty Docking Bay. Oh yes.
the docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Yep. Baba booey. So what questions do we have this week, sir? Okay, so here's the first one. About starship combat. From a gentleman named Randy. Is, is Randy Randy? Hey, Randy might be Randy. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> That's what we're talking about right here in the Order 66 podcast. Oh, yeah. All right, so Randy says this. I have a game that uses a fair bit of starship combat. So I was looking at threats to check out the stat blocks for some of the more advanced pilots. And it seems like they all have armored defense and improved armored defense as talents. So it makes me ask, does this apply to the reflex defense of their ship? Add, say for example, add half the ship's armor plus character level? If not, it seems like a weird talent choice for a pilot. Uh, very good observation. Um, you got it right, Randy. Uh, per page 168 of the core rulebook, when you're in a starship, you use the ship's armor bonus to reflex defense instead of your own armor bonus. However, you may choose to add your heroic level instead of that armor bonus if you're piloting. Unlike per and this is cool because unlike personal armor, which mandates that you that you must add the armor bonus over your heroic level, unless of course you have armor defense, with a starship, you automatically get to choose the better of the two. So that's really cool. So then why do these expert pilots have armor defense? Because it's a prereq for improved armored defense, which does work for a ship the same way it works for personal armor. You add your heroic level plus half the armor bonus of the ship, and that's pretty fracking stout, wouldn't you say? I would have to tend to agree there. I would too. In fact, this is one of the, in my opinion, one of the major balancing factors between dogfighting. Because you know, when you're talking about, um, you get, you know, you get into a dogfight with somebody, and you know, you talk about making opposed pilot checks. Um, that's when we talked about how that's kind of imbalancing because you have these massively high pilot checks and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, this is one of those ways, you know, where if you're in, you know, non-dogfighting combat, you can shore up a as well, um, you know, your, your reflex defense if you're a really, really good pilot. Because the other thing people bitch about is the fact that if you're a pilot trained in the weapon, you get a plus two to attack with it, you know, which is, you know, or, or, excuse me, if you're trained in pilot, then you get a plus two to attack with a pilot-controlled weapon, which right. is a little, a little tad imbalancing. A little, little, little bitching in the past, but one, one more beautiful balancing act in this system. Gotta love it. Right, 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 right. So, okay. Korahor is bitching in the forums that I haven't played as drops, and I forgot to tell him that I couldn't because they're too low on the audio. So Ooh. send them again, sir, if you would. That would be great. Dagnabbit. Darn. Burn it. Dad, burn it, Irene. I told you once. I tell you again, damn it. Okay. Randy has a second question. Sir. Okay. Damage threshold. Does damage threshold in Starship Combat include total damage or only ship damage after SR and DR are applied? Hmm. It seems obvious that it would only be actual damage, but the damage thresholds are so high it seems like it takes the condition track out of space combat. Am I getting this right? No, no. Um, you got it right, dude. SR and DR reduce the damage taken. Um, and only damage taken applies to damage threshold. But, I mean, you do bring up a good point. With damage thresholds of, I mean, what, 46 and, and 76. Yeah. Ace of, like, an X-Wing and, and just a, a YT-1300. How can you do enough damage to beat the damage threshold? Well, 
dude. I mean, an X-Wing's laser cannons deal 6 die 10 times 2. All right, that adds averaging 60 points of damage on a hit. Now, granted, with DR and SR, that will be reduced probably to below damage threshold, but most likely the shields will probably go down a bit, making it more likely with each hit to beat the damage threshold. Right. But that's just a measly X-Wing, okay? Uh, which is a tough fighter, okay? For a TIE fighter, I mean, forget it. That's, that thing's got a measly 32 damage threshold. And uh, to me, I think this is almost... I mean, Dave, this is kind of very representative of the movies. I think it's very accurate. When a ship gets pounded, they rarely blow up instantly, unless it's a dinky little fighter. Right. Um, it's one of those things, you know, usually it takes several hits, and then, oh, well, the shields are down, the shields are down. Then the ship starts taking rocking hits, and things start exploding. Um, right. And that's that's kind of cool. Now, now capital ships... Capital ships is a different ballgame. You have damage thresholds in the hundreds, all right? Very, very hard to move down the condition track. But that's as it should be. It's a ship that is so freaking huge. It has its vital systems spread out everywhere. It's really hard to do massive damage in a single hit. Although, in battle with another capital ship, the uh, the average 125 damage of a Star Destroyer's turbo laser battery is probably going to come pretty close. That's right. But you say, but Dave, but Chris... The Super Star Destroyer was pulled down by one guy. Well, guess what? That was a guy who was about to die who destiny pointed that destiny guy. Point. Yep. yep. Absolutely. And I would argue it already had lots of damage. It was in the middle of a firefight with a whole bunch of other people. Right. And uh, that was that was just an extraordinary an extraordinary circumstance. That was it would that would have been an epic moment in gaming. Yes, epic. Big time. Utterly epic. Big time, big time. Yeah. Because right. they had already concentrated all their Concentrate all your fire. You know. They had all concentrated all their fire on the one Super Star Destroyer. So, shields were obviously down. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You hit that on the head. Yeah. So, there you go. Okay. Zappy, who I believe is in the forums. I'm, I mean, in the uh, chat room. I'm not absolutely positive about that. Uh, he sent us in a good question with a good um, feat. Okay. Okie dokie. So, he writes, GM Chris and GM Dave. That's us? That is us. As I'm typing this, I'm looking at the desperate gambit feat on page 21 of Scum and Villainy. Sweet feat. One of my players, a very heavy weapon specialist, <laughs> took this feat and destroyed every last enemy I threw at them last session. Even though it can only be used once per turn, rerolling a miss is a very powerful ability. Especially since the feat has no prerequisites at all. Almost every single turn, my player used his ability and basically doubled his chance to roll a 20 by re-rolling a miss. He eventually critted with his E-Web and dealt triple damage. The, the defense penalty that comes with using this feat is basically nothing for him as he has damage reduction and a pretty good reflex defense to start with. Comparing this feat to Sniper Shot or Flurry, it is clearly superior even with the limitations placed on its use. Some of my players and I were thinking about making a house rule to increase the defense of desperate gambus penalties by one step. However, I don't want to spoil my player's happy time <laughs> with his new feat. <laughs> Please share your thoughts. Thank you and greetings from across the pond. Greetings, Zappy. Wow. Um, I think he's in a pretty tough spot, Dave. Um, yeah, I would agree. I mean, yeah. Now, for those unaware, uh, the Desperate Gambit feat, uh, again, page 121 of Scum and Villainy, details that once per turn, you can re-roll a missed attack in exchange for a minus two to your reflex defense that turn. And yes, this feat has no prerequisites. 
That's pretty fracking awesome. I dare say, Dave, that 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 fails my test of why would I not take this? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um at least on the surface. Okay. Now if if we do get into the mathematics, which I'm I'm kinda loath to do, but others have, the re-roll is cool, but statistically it doesn't double your chances of anything. All right. Uh five percent plus five percent is not ten percent, it's still five percent. Um, which is kind of odd to think of it that way. The, the odds are the same for each roll each time you take it. A 5% chance for one roll to be a 20 and a 5% chance for another roll to be a 20 does not equal a 10% chance for you to have a 20. <laughs> um, but okay, let's, let's, let's talk options here. Okay, if, if you're finding issue with this feat, and as the GM, you need to find a way to handle it that keeps your players happy without destroying your game. And I gotta say, Dave, I'm, I'm impressed that he responded with this, because what was, his, what was his real primary concern here? He says, okay, listen, I'm worried about the game balance here, but I, I don't want to keep my player from having a good right. time. He's having so much fun. Dude, bravo to you first and foremost for even being able to connect the dots at that level. That's just brilliant. And the fact that it presents a conundrum for you makes me happy to no end. Okay, I'm sorry Indeed. you have the conundrum, but the fact that you give a rat's patoot about your player having fun is a sign of a wonderful GM. A rat's patoot, I might add. A rat's, a rat's patoot. Um, so, okay. First and foremost, talk to your player, dude. Talk to him privately. Never front him out in front of the group, okay? Privately, let him know your frustrations. Let him know why. Ask him what he thinks a possible solution might be. If you get him to suggest something limiting, then you're taking his advice. You're not imposing a limitation. All right, and that might help prevent any hurt feelings. Okay, but the bottom line here is that you've got a player who's min-maxed himself to be an uber damage dealer. Okay, the problem, Zappy, is not the feat. The problem is the min-maxing of the player. All right, and whether it's this feat or something else, if he devotes the min-max time to it, if I'm going to be a heavy weapon specialist and uh, you know I have this feat, well, okay, well, okay, I'm a, a dual weapon fighter with you know heavy weapons or whatever. Okay, um, that, that's the real problem here. Now, if you just feel comfortable enough imposing a few limitations on this feat, okay, whether it's in this or future games, here's a few options. One, you hit it off. Increase the reflex defense penalty from minus two to minus five. It's not huge, but it's enough to make a pretty big difference, okay? Two, keep it as is, but add the caveat that a re-rolled natural 20 doesn't crit. And uh, maybe maybe it insta-hits, but it does not crit. And I happen to like that little house rule. I've seen that before. And the third option I can recommend is to add a prerequisite. Uh, maybe a scoundrel talent or a combat feat. Maybe a base attack bonus prerequisite. Oh, yeah, one more suggestion. Give the feat to your NPCs. <laughs> Basically, have him go up against the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. And see how he likes it. And maybe he'll agree to some limitations after that. Who knows? <laughs> after he's dead. <laughs> they say sometimes dead is better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> okay. Thorn 9. Oh, nine. Number 9. One better than Thorn 8, I might add. Oh, don't, don't, don't dog out Thorn 8 like that. Yeah, I know. His dad, Thorn 10, though, told him not to post this question, but he did anyway. So Thorn 9 posted an excellent question on the forums about taking a weapon out of commission. Okay. Right now I am running that ion damage per raw affects a lightsaber if it hits the wielder's reflex. If I miss his reflex, it does not hit. It does no ion damage to his lightsaber. 
what if he deflects it? He has to hit the blast with his lightsaber to deflect the ion bolt. So does ion damage affect only the weapon then? I'm inclined to say yes, but I don't want to ruin the game for the Jedi. However, not every encounter features a bad guy with ion rifles. So, <laughs> I'd hope not. What do you all think? Mm. Lots of issues okay. here. Lots of issues here. There are lots of issues here. Uh, the first and foremost is that per the developers, when you attack a target, that damage never affects their gear or any attended objects. Right. Okay? You're attacking the target, not the gear. So throwing an ion grenade or blasting away with ion fire at a Jedi should do absolutely bubkiss to his lightsaber, whether it's deflected or not. Bubkiss. Okay. If you want to damage their lightsaber, which is a sound tactic, you need to attack the object directly. Right? The rules for attacking objects, attended or otherwise, are on page 151 of the core rulebook. And per that, when attacking an attended object, you have to hit a reflex defense of 10 plus the object's size modifier plus the reflex defense of the wielder. That's not exactly easy to do. Um, although a lightsaber is a tiny object when it's unlit, uh, as a weapon, it's classified as medium for a reason, and with the blade extended, I think that makes sense. Um, I don't think the blade, the blade is immune to an object attack, though, and so for balance's sake, I think the entire ignited weapon should be considered for the purposes of attacking it, and thus I'd classify a lit lightsaber as a small object. As such, it gets a plus one size modifier to its reflex defense. Uh, so in this case, it'd be 10 plus 1 plus the Jedi's reflex to target the lightsaber. And none of that damage would hurt the Jedi at all. Again, this is really, really tough to do. Um, when faced with that level of difficulty to do this, I often have players ask me why this is so freaking hard to do. Um, when folks get their weapons cut up all the time in Star Wars, because they really do. Um my, my standard reply is that, you know, when that happens, it always occurs very late into an encounter when the lightsaber losing character has usually been severely and clearly taken to a minus 10 on the condition track. <laughs> right. That's my answer, at least. I don't know. What do you think? No, I agree with you. There's always cinema, except like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of when Anakin kept losing his lightsabers. You remember? He got yeah. one of them cut up, but he was like, you know. He had his. He was trapped. He had his arm like welded down. Yeah, well, I would call that GM fiat, though. Yeah, yeah, I would say that too. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always seems to be something that you can play. I would call that an unattended object, actually, because Anakin had no control over it or no ability to move it. Yeah, that's true too. Ah, so yeah, yeah there's there a couple ways around it. Anyway, okay, we move on. Avendasora gives us a crunchy rules quandary this week. Um, if one target of a multi-target attack makes a successful rebuke check, does it negate the effects against the second target? If the power ends up being double rebuked and double reflected, is the second target affected as well? If so, what happens if he then rebukes? I think this becomes circular enough that the simplest answer is to say no. But the first question is still valid. And uh, your thoughts, please. I, I think he hit the nail on the head. Uh, go with the simple answer. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, which is what most of our forum community did. I'm going to echo their good advice um, and start by saying this. Multi-target power is a big, bad ability. Uh, it is a force secret, boys and girls. you got to be level 14 to even think about picking this up. Most Jedi Masters are not level 14 if you will look at their stat blocks. 
big bad boys like Siasi Tin and Kiati Mundi are a measly level 13. All right. This is a hardcore ability. Massive mojo. You're basically manifesting a power multiple times, just at multiple targets. As such, I would rule that if one of those targets rebukes, it does not rebuke all the manifestations of the power, just against that one target. Now, normally, powers that affect two targets, like Force Slam, that are rebuked by one, indicates the whole thing. But that's for area effects and such. This right. is basically multiple powers. And it's a Force secret, okay? It should trump rebuke, smacking it down like so much hoe. <laughs> uh, at least that's, that's my opinion on the matter. And you're sticking to it. I would do. Okay, so we'll close it out here by with a question from Doctor's Craps. Doctor Craps or, <laughs> or Doctor Scraps? Doctor's Craps or Doctor <laughs> Scraps? I'll take the rapists. I'll take the rapists for four hundred, Alex. Japanese relations. Okay. <laughs> Spawned by last week's discussion, he posts. Last week's podcast was pretty informative about what to do once a campaign begins to fizzle. This would be two weeks ago then. But one thing I want to know is, what do you do as a player and a GM when you start to feel your passion for the game itself fizzle? Over the, over the last few games I've played, and with our, um, with our other GM, I've simply gone through the motions, metagaming when I could get away with it. As... Mm. As a GM, frustrations have made it nearly impossible to write campaign notes. What can I do to get my mojo back? Mm. So, we asked uh, Scraps for some clarification. Was it that uh, uh, that particular campaign that he'd lost uh, passion for or for the game system itself? And so he replied thusly. I don't want to blame the group for my problems, but it, but it comes from a lot of things that happen around the table. When I GM, I have to deal with certain players who do nothing unless placed in a direct line of sight of an, object, of an, of an objective. A player, this is in our D&D Star Wars crossover FYI, who expects certain themes not to be tampered with, um, parenthetically drow being a matriarchal pain in the butt, despite the fact that uh, players are trying to save them from the uh, CIS, and an overall refusal to do any free thinking for themselves, the give me a quest or fight me mentality. And when I play, I guess I just don't agree with the other GM's style, and I feel like I'm being bottlenecked. Does that make sense? Uh, the fact that I tend to wind up being the whipping boy when it comes to joke, jokes, uh, practical and verbal, I guess I'm asking uh, overall, where's the fun? Wow, dude. That's okay, it. why don't you why don't you pull out your psychology degree mojo and go to town? Okay. Um, I don't think well, it's the system. I I I, w I would agree. I, I would agree. I don't think this is the system at all. Not from what you told us. <laughs> uh, not, not after the clarification. Okay, dude. <laughs> Fiddleback wants to know if you picked up his old group. <laughs> well, okay, I think Fiddleback, the man who does currently work with uh, in, in a clinical uh, psychological setting more closely than me, uh, could probably testify. I think there's some issues here that are, are well beyond the system that we need to talk about. First of all, I agree with Dave, dude. I don't think you're disillusioned with this system, or you're tired of it, or you're even disillusioned with this whole D&D Star Wars crossover campaign, which sounds quite interesting. Um, it's clear that you're simply not happy with your playgroup, dude. Uh, it sounds like you have, quite frankly, a different play style than they do. 
this is okay. Um, but it can cause rifts. And I think the rifts are there already, especially if your group is making you the whipping boy, as you put it. That probably means that they're not happy with you either because your play style is the one that's divergent from theirs. The bad habits that you describe yourself exhibiting, like going through the motions, metagaming when you can, these are common behaviors for this dungeon crawl, you know, give me a quest or fight me mentality. Um, and it sounds like that you might be conforming to your game group in that sense, and you're not seriously happy about it. When you start asking yourself, like, where's the fun? I mean, that's just a bad scene. No gaming is better than bad gaming, bottom line. But it doesn't sound like you're upset with the game or the system or the campaign, Doc. You're upset with your group. Uh, it sounds like, frankly, you need to find a new one. I'm willing to bet that if you tell your group you can't make it anymore, they're not going to be too terribly upset. Um, not if they're already making you the whipping boy. It sounds like they probably are kind of tired of you being there as well. Sad to say. Um, and this is one of the side effects of you know having one or two people that have a seriously divergent play style. At the very least, dude, give the inner tubes a good scrubbing. I mean, check out sites like N-World or the Gleamax boards and try and locate a gaming group near you. Try and find other gamers to play with, with different ideas on playstyle. Sometimes just getting that fix every other week allows you to endure the hack and slash when it comes, you know, even assuming you stay with the current campaign that's going on. You know, just play something else somewhere, even if you don't let go of what you have. Yep. But ultimately, I mean, if you lost passion for the system, Dave, I mean, it does happen. Some people decide they're, you know, they're they're ready to move on to something else. Try yep. something else. It doesn't mean you never have to come back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> do what you're happy doing. That's the bottom line. Do what you're happy doing. If you find another group, if you find another game, if you write another game, more power to you, man. Just word. You know, if you need to give it up for a little while and bring it, come back, that's fine too. Just keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> We promise we'll still entertain you. Yes. Oh, yes, we will try. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's a common it, it, problem. It, it, I mean, I've, I've it, seen it before too, and it's one of those things. I, I've known people that just get tired of you know a, a system, or or or, and they just want to take a break for a while. Do the bottom line, in my opinion, just just game. Okay, it doesn't matter what you're playing. It doesn't matter what edition or when it was written or anything like that. Just game and game well with people that enjoy gaming and have. Fun. That's right. If you're not doing that, there's no point. Yep. And at the end of the day, you just simply have to say that no gaming is better than bad gaming. Correct, sir. Very I, correct. I can't take credit for that. That's Donovan right there. <laughs> well, I said it earlier. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't hear it. I probably wasn't listening. I was distracted looking at the chat room. Well, that's why you're around, you know, to miss the things that I can't, because I'm jabberwalking. Which happens occasionally. Okay, so, um, hey, we've got this. And now, dark thoughts with Twi'lek goodness. So, how do strippers get paid in Star Wars? I mean, it's not like cred chips or g-string friendly or anything this has been dark thoughts with twilight goodness yeah we're gonna get hate mail for that one again oh good that was freaking hilarious gm <sighs> chris at d20radio.com i love it and she proposes an interesting question that almost got answered in my session today oh lord all right so anyway what do you say <laughs> I you know like, where we're going. I know. 
you feel like suspending some rules? Sure. Request a motion to suspend the rules. You are gonna suspend the rules? Oh, Shut up, Sharjah! Motion granted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where's a wall when I need one to bust through? <laughs> hey, oh, cool it. So, what are we going to talk so, about today? Uh, today we're going to talk about a house rule um, emailed in by oh, Hesiod. Oh, that's right. Hemorrhoid 335. Uh, Hesiod, uh, a oh, Greek sorry. historian and philosopher. Oh, yeah. uh, 335. <laughs> and he writes this link. Uh, he says, um, my playgroup only gets to meet about every three weeks, and we level slowly. Uh, quite often when we do get together to play, a new book has already been released. So RGM has gotten in the habit of letting us use the 4th edition D&D retraining rules. Every time we do level, we get the chance to retrain one of our trained skills, talents, force powers, or feats. Just not our starting feats. We can't remove something that's a prerequisite for something else, and we still must meet the prerequisites for anything we retrain into. I think this is a great house rule for groups just like ours, and I just wanted to share it. I would happen to agree, Hesiod. I think that is a marvelous house rule. I love it. In fact, I use it myself. <laughs> Dude, I don't even consider this a house rule. This is almost one of those things that's common sense. Yeah, yeah. This is this is one of those things I think the fourth edition really got right in yeah. terms of actually canonizing it. Yep. Yep. So, there yeah. You. I mean, I know a lot of people that did this, you know, prior to fourth edition even coming out. I, I don't know. I think this is a marvelous, marvelous option. And I mean, shoot, they're releasing a book about every month now, aren't they? Just about, man. I'll tell you what, yeah. they're coming out fast and furious now, so I'm know, happy know, about that. So. Yeah, I'm very happy about that. But, you know, hey, it's that state's retraining. And sometimes, you know, you're playing and you find out that, you know, as a PC, wow, I, I trained in knowledge, you know, bartending, and I'm really not using that <laughs> like I thought I would. Knowledge or, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trained in, in pilot. But our our scoundrel is not only trained in it, he's got skill focus and vehicular combat. He's a much better pilot than me. I never get behind the stick. I don't need to be a pilot. I, this is a useless, wasted train skill. I want to train out of it. Um, yeah, I think it's useful. You found an interesting use for it, did you not? In our last um, our last game, you retrained out of a force power. I did. I did uh, retrain out of a force power only because it was uh, role-playing considerations that um, I no longer wanted to use dark side power, and so I got out of it. And picked up, uh, I forgot what I picked up. You picked up Serge. Serge? Serge. Serge with a lemon twist. Yeah. <laughs> of course. No, yeah. No, I love this rule. It's a great rule. Yeah, I think I think it's fantastic. Um, so thank you for sharing it, Hesiod. And uh, for those of you guys who might be uh, on the fence about it and doing something similar in your own games, it'll make you happy, it'll make your players happy, and um, know that a lot of people are doing it. So That's right. It's, it's a good thing. Okay, so before we get to the meat of our discussion today, which is uh, a swim through the Enforcer from uh, the Force Unleashed campaign guide, we have uh, the return of the Alex and Trevor show, and I promise it'll be in real time this time instead of being squished <laughs> together like uh, like uh, so many chipmunks. 
And I, I that honestly was my software's fault. So Alex and Trevor sent it to me correctly, and I corrected it the next day. But the problem is it had already been downloaded 700 times. So... <laughs> So 700 people, myself included, got to listen to Alex and Trevor talk like this. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was intentional because they talked about like, like speeds, that, feats, and talents that are rapid. Yeah. So I, a, a lot of people thought it was intentional too. So hey, anyway, way to go, Alex and Trevor. You guys are great. <laughs> so here they are for about three minutes, and then we'll be back on the other side. Thank you, masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Hi, this is Alex and Trevor. This is segment nine of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about the force technique Dominate Mind, which you'll find on page 53 of the KOTOR rulebook. What it says is when using Mind Trick, if you exceed your target's wheel defense by ten or more points, you can choose what your target does with its standard action on its next turn. This makes one of the coolest force powers of Mind Trick even more powerful. I mean, I like Mind Trick in the first place for the, the role-playing, the the many clever things you can do with it. But this particular additional ability allows action control. It's one of the things that can, within combat, can be very powerful. If you can force your opponent either to not act or, in this case, do what you want them to do, that is incredibly powerful. And one of the things that I struggle with when I'm reading this is when it says... Choose what your target does with its standard action on its next turn. Let's say you manage to defeat will defense of a Sith Lord or something like that by 10, of all things. If you're actually able to choose one of his force powers and use it on his own minions, or what an amazing thing this could be. Very powerful, and I'm, I'm more than happy to see this show up in my game at some point. Over to you, Trevor. Right. And today, I've chosen to talk about the Scout Talent Weak Point, which you can find on page 28 of your KOTOR guide. Essentially, what this is, is once per encounter, you can use a swift action to ignore the damage reduction of a single target within your line of sight for the rest of your turn. And that is a really nice ability if you're going up against a droid, or a large creature that has some significant damage reduction, or someone who's got some really nice armor that has some damage reduction, because it doesn't restrict itself to either ranged or melee. It's both. So you could you could be beating on them with a big axe, you could be using your lightsaber, you could be shooting them. And even more interesting is it doesn't say that you can't use it when a, as a pilot or gunner of a ship. So imagine being in some fighter and flying along, and at the right point in the battle, you choose to use this weak point talent and ignore the damage reduction of a you know some very large ship and end up doing some significant damage and and change the tide of events it makes it a very interesting talent that it is really useful and uh, again shows the scout as being this this interesting sort of combative guy anyways if you have any questions or comments please uh, send alex or i an email at uh, Order 66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Well, there you go. There you go. I think Dominate Mind is the bomb. That's one of the sickest abilities in the game where you can just make someone do something else specifically. You know, goes a little just... beyond Mind Trick now, doesn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. A lot of op- open to a lot of dark sideness, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy. So you know what that means. 
Mm-hmm. It means goodness. Time for the meat of our presentation. The meat. I like the meat. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> Especially tonight, because we're having filet mignon. Ah, uh, yes. In the form of the Enforcer! Uh, this week, we're going to continue our long, deep dive into the prestige classes of Star Wars Saga Edition with the first out of the Force Unleashed campaign guide, the Enforcer. So, Dave, um, so you've let, let, let's say you just watched Dirty Harry. Go ahead, make my steak. Yes, Dirty Harry inspires you. It inspires a lot of us. The idea, the hope, the dream, the glimmer passion of being a hard-nosed sector ranger intent on getting your man or a city cop prowling the understreets of Taurus uh, intrigues you. Ah, uh, yes. The Enforcer is thus for you. The Enforcer is a cop, man, plain and simple, and your abilities as an Enforcer center around observing and targeting a foe, getting around easily while doing it, and bringing that criminal to justice. And uh, no matter what anyone says, the picture of the Enforcer on page 44 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide is most definitely Malcolm Reynolds, Captain of the Serenity. <laughs> <clears throat> and he's wearing a bug helmet and nipple pads. <laughs> Some of the oddest armor I've ever seen in a photo. Um, yeah, so turn, younglings, to page 44 of that Force Unleashed campaign guide and... Uh, Let's feel lucky. Punk. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Police Academy. Entering uh, this prestige class. The basics. All right. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk the basics, Dave. Yeah. Um, you're a cop. I, I don't know. I, I was kind of disappointed by some of the basics in this, mostly because I think this, is, this has the ability to be a very um, uh, martially uh, adept prestige class, and yet... It still receives only a poor base attack bonus and a D8 hit die. Well, um, I mean, it does, a... though. I mean, you know, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Uh, you're not a soldier. No, no. You know, I mean, it's a step. It's a it's a notch down the ladder. And I don't mean to dis disrespect police officers at all, but you know, you you're a cop. You're a cop. You're, you're a cop. Not, you're uh, not a. You're not a a. A, a combat-trained military soldier. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I mean, you're, you're a hard-ass, but you're not a bone-breaking Yeah, that soldier. goes without saying, absolutely. All right. So, I mean, you know, it's not a D6, but it's a D8. Okay, yeah. Right. right. Um, I mean, for a cop, talking to people is as important as roughing them up, potentially. Right. So, uh, you do benefit from a plus four to reflex defense, though, and a plus two to will, yeah. which is nice. I like the plus four to reflex. It's good. That's excellent. It kind of makes up for a lot of it. Okay. Yeah. Let me so, guess. Let me guess. I'm just guessing um, you have to have seven levels. <laughs> you do have to have seven levels to get into this prestige class, yes. You also have to be trained in two skills. Do you know what they are? I would say, in keeping with fine law enforcement tradition, gather info and perception. Ah, very correct, sir. Very correct. And uh, here's the snicker one. Talents. The you got to have at least one talent doodle. from the survivor talent tree. Ah, that's interesting. Which is... Yeah, it's available only to scouts. And then, of course, the last thing is you must, of course, belong to a law enforcement agency or a similar security organization. Right. And here's the rub, man. Uh, why some finagling things to, needs to be done, because things here get hairy. You will most likely have to multi-class to get into the Enforcer. And there are very few prestige classes you're going to have to multi-class to get into. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Um, the bottom yeah. line, you're going to need at least one level in scout as 
um, that's the only base class to have access to the survivor talent tree. Right. But you can't go straight scout. You need to be trained in gather info, and <gasps> gather info is not on the scout's skill list. Right. Uh, does this mean that you will also need a level one scoundrel or noble? Not necessarily. Take a gander at page 33 of that Force Unleashed campaign guide and the feat simply named Informer. Uh, simply put, Informer lets you use your perception skill to make gather information checks. And you're treated as trained in gather info as well. Nice. So that one little feat can solve your multi-class problems and allow you to meet that uh, prerequisite for being trained in gather info. And that's and a pretty good info. deal right there. That's excellent. It allows you to go straight scout. You don't have to, uh, you know... Multi-class if you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, heck, you, you have to take another. You have to take another whack at the uh, scoundrel when you don't get another base tech bonus bump. Exactly, and and you're gonna have to spend a feat on force training, or excuse me, on skill training, most likely, unless you're right. just happen to get lucky enough to plan it out to where your intelligence goes up or something like that. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, Dave, you know what they say? Don't mess with the police. The po. The po po. The police. The po- the Don't be bringing the po- a popo into my yard, man. <laughs> Enforcers have some pretty cool and creepy stuff that makes this class a lot of fun to play. Um, the two abilities to talk about right off the bat um, is they, they get they actually get an ability at first level uh, called resources, and this is the bomb. <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're bringing the full might of your law enforcement agency behind you. Exactly. Um, you get there, they got your back. And, I mean, you got all the resources they provide. I mean, every every time you gain a level in Enforcer, you receive restricted or military-grade equipment from your agency. That includes weapons and vehicles. Um, equal in value to your heroic level times 2,000 credits. Oh, uh, yeah. Not your Enforcer level, your heroic level. That's 16, that means that you're gonna get six. Right? Yeah, dude, you got you said it. That's the first time. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it, man. At eighth level, boom, sixteen grand. That's freaking unreal. So first level in this prestige class, eighth level character level. Holy crap! Okay. Right. Um, what's more, you can choose to not receive any resources when you gain a level, and instead save it up to add to the value of the resources you'd gain at the next level. Wow. So thirty-four thousand if you wait. Uh, yes. Well, no, no. Uh, a little, little bit more, actually, because at that point you're going to be a ninth level character. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new math. math, you know. Math the new is math. hard. This is the new math. It's driving all the kids nuts. <laughs> so we got so many school shootings and all that because the new math is just driving them crazy. I like the new math. According to the new math, we're doing pretty good in our economy right now. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of the new math. It's easier. Um, all right, let's talk targeted suspect, um, which is the the even level ability of this prestige class. And I don't know, man. This is what do you think? This is this is very um, investigatory, you know, very. Uh, it's like hunter's very, hunter's mark. Yeah, it's a Sam Spade style. You know, you're, um, but very 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 hunter's mark. Um, you're basically, you're you're so informed on a target that you gain a bonus on attack rolls and de- uh, and deception, persuasion, and perception checks uh, equal to half your enforcer level on anyone that you spend a full round action observing in combat. Uh, the caveat is the opponent has to have acted in combat, and you must have spent a full round observing them. Um, 
So, you know, if, if, if the, the proverbial S hits the proverbial fan and uh, you, you know, things break out into a fight and you just sit there and watch this guy for a round, all of a sudden you're going to get this bonuses on your attack rolls and other skill checks against him. That's pretty freaking cool. That's right. So I'm loving I don't it. Know, I, I like it. Yeah, me too. I like it a lot. Okay. Make my day, Dave. Go ahead. Let's talk about the talent trees of the Enforcer. Um, the Enforcer only gains access to two talent trees. Only two. Uh, the Survivor talent tree of the Scout and the brand new Enforcement talent tree. Yeah, because we can't have a new Prestige class without a new talent tree. Well, what would be the point? <laughs> but honestly, uh, a lot of Prestige classes have three or four prestige uh, talent trees available to them. Um, this one only has two. And quite frankly, I think two is all you need. Um, this is why. Let's talk about the enforcement talent tree, shall we? Let's. It is devoted to locating and apprehending your quarry with exceptional speed and prowess. And I really like it. Um, The first talent in this tree is a talent called Cover Bracing. Now, do you remember when we were playing, before before our good friend Jake left for SoCal? Yeah. um, Oh, yeah. Venku would, yeah, brace... Yeah, yeah. He, he had an auto weapon, auto fire weapon. He wanted to brace, and we would, I would often fudge it if he did certain activities and allow him to use a, a low object or a wall to brace against. You know, right? Um, well, with cover bracing, you can brace an auto fire weapon as a single swift action instead of the normal two, as long as you are adjacent to any object that provides cover from the target squares, so walls. Tables, speeders. Literally, this is this is this is jamming your gun against a solid surface to better brace. Um, it's very cinematic and very cool. But more importantly, it lets you brace as a single swift action. Right. So, so you can move and you can still fire. Exactly. Yep. And that is the the awesomeness that is there. So yeah. cover bracing, very cool. Um, obviously, it's going to work best, you know, for somebody who's got heavy weapons proficiency and is willing to go for those uh, those those hardcore. Uh, those hardcore weapons um, work wonderfully with burst fire as well. So there you are. Okay, I, re- I think this 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 second one is really interesting, and we don't have too many talents or feats for that matter that deal with um, vehicular coolness. I mean, unless you're talking about you know like you know ace pilot and stuff like that. Oh yeah, this is the okay yeah this is the talent that I choose to call ramming speed. Yes. <laughs> the talent's <laughs> called intentional crash. And no awesome cop worth anything without being able to partake in a wicked car chase. So if you're an enforcer and and you're trained in pilot, as any good cop should be, um, and you ram your vehicle into another, uh, you know, when you do the ramming, you know, both vehicles take the damage. Well, you reduce the damage your vehicle takes by half. Nice. Also, if the vehicle you ram is the same size as your vehicle or smaller, it can't move the following round. Dude. That's awesome. That's like watching a bad scene of cops. Yeah, pretty much. Bad boys, bad boys. Yeah, I know. You always see them that do their little whatever maneuver that they call, you know? Oh, yeah. When they absolutely. spin them out, and, yeah. uh, and invariably the door flies open, and the guy starts to run, and then he's chased. <laughs> Somehow they've got a chopper over it every time. Well, that's what this lends itself to perfectly. It, it is it's one of those things that you're, um, you know, literally, you, you stall them out. They freak out. They are probably going to get out of their speeder and start running. And that leads to pursuit, which is a talent we're going to come to momentarily, which is very cool. Nice. Um, but the next talent on this tree is called non-lethal tactics. Um, and this is pretty cool, too. 
when you when you use a stun weapon, any stun weapon, or a net, okay, uh, you gain a plus one to attack rolls, and better yet, you deal an extra die of stun damage. Oh yeah. Uh, this is simple, but it's terribly effective. This automatically bumps a stun grenade to five die six, or a blaster weapon set on stun to five die of stun with rapid shot. I mean, that is that's huge, and it drastically increases the odds of the stun damage overcoming your foe's damage threshold, and thus moving them two steps down the condition track. Dos. I mean, I don't know. We've talked about builds before with that were these these stun monkey builds. You know, guys right. that are dual wielding stun batons with rapid strike and crap like that. You know, to go bam, 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 bam. Um, this is just really tailor-made to something like that. Righto. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, the, the ability to, we actually ran into that ability in today's, uh, that problem in today's game where we were trying to apprehend somebody without killing them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, it would help. It would help. It's really hard to do. And stun damage is the best way. So there you go. Okay. Pursuit. Um, which is really, again, when we have that intentional crash, as you, as you put it, ramming speed. And uh, the little shirtless punk jumps out of his uh, <laughs> jumps out of his car, jumps out of his speeder, and starts taking off running. This is where this talent's going to come in handy. You got to be naturally fast already, meaning it's got a prerequisite of having a dexterity score of at least thirteen, mm-hmm. which isn't too terribly bad. Um, but if you are a little naturally fast like that, you can train yourself to be an excellent pursuer through the use of this talent. And okay, you know when you when you take the run action. You, you're forced to run in a straight line, right? Right. And you can't, you know, go around or over obstacles or anything like that. Well, with pursuit, you can run in any direction. You can stop, you can turn around, you can make a 90-degree turn, whatever, okay? And also, when you're doing prolonged running over an extensive period of time, you can re-roll your endurance checks to keep from tiring out, and you get to keep the better result when you do that. Um that's kind of cool. I don't know. The, the endurance check thing is great for skill challenges and stuff, um, but being able to run in any way at all, um, in any direction without having to move in a straight line, that's some of the best battlefield mobility in the game, man. I mean, moving four times your speed in any way possible as a full round action. Dude, yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, what, what if you're a force user and you grab this and you pick up Surge? Oh. <laughs> Which I have. I, mean, I have Surge. You have Sarge. I mean, if, okay, let's say you max out your Surge. Not not even spending a Force Point. Just get just get to plus six. You're talking about 12 squares base speed, so you're talking about 48 squares in a single round in any direction you want. You could run circles around the guy if you wanted. That is very awesome. So, yes. I like a heaping helping of Awesome Sauce. Oh, thank you. That's our first Awesome Sauce reference of the show. There you go. Thank you very much. Oh, very nice. Very I nice. aim to please. Next in the talent tree is a talent called Respected Officer, um, which is basically you're the you're you're a cop with a reputation, basically, um, and allies and enemies respect it. So, and this is really cool. Anytime you deal with an indifferent character, uh, someone who's just you know uh, indifferent on the attitude chart, you know, you automatically improve their attitude to friendly without even rolling a persuasion check. Yes, sir, Mister Mister Officer, Mister Officer. Yes, sir. Oh, of course. Yes, of course, Ossifer, I'll help you out. That's not a problem. Um, that has awesome role-playing implications, but here's what's really cool about it. It would subsequently allow you to make a check, since you legally haven't made one yet, to make that friendly target helpful. Because if you recall, I think from Docking Bay a few months ago, we had somebody uh, 
you know, cut right in talking about, okay, how does persuasion work? Well, you, okay, you can only persuade a target to change their attitude once a day, okay? Um, or once an encounter, excuse me. And um, even then, when you're successful, you only move them one step up the track. So if they're indifferent, they'll become friendly. They're not going to be helpful, they'll just become friendly. Well, with this, they're automatically going to be friendly if they're indifferent, so now you can make them helpful. Right. Which is fantastic. It's one of those, you know, uh, I'm pursuing someone. Quick, give me your speeder. Yo, oh, yes, Ossifer, not a problem. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's kind of cool. It is pretty neat. Yeah. Two more talents in the tree. Uh, the first one is Slowing Stun. Now, despite the title, this has nothing to do with stunning. Um, basically, whenever you move a target down the condition track, its speed is halved until all negative conditions are removed. Um... That's awesome. And it's one of the better debuffing abilities in the game. And it works beautifully with condition track reduction builds. But here's something a lot of people don't think about, Dave. It just says target. If I'm in a vehicle and I'm targeting another vehicle, yeah, and I move the vehicle down the condition track, the vehicle speed is halved. There you go. Until it can be repaired enough to be moved up the condition track. See, that's my that, that's my uh, akin to uh, shooting out the tires. Exactly. See, that's what this is. There you go. And the last talent in the tree, uh, my favorite, takedown. This is uh, this is one Salura would just go gaga over. Anytime, anytime, you successfully make a melee attack and deal damage at the end of a charge, you automatically knock your foe prone, as long as he's not more than one size category larger than you. <laughs> Again, so you okay? So we're we're watching an episode of Cops, and you've used your intentional crash um, after maybe uh, using your slowing stun to shoot out the tires, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Right. The guy jumps out. You use your pursuit talent to chase him down very quickly, and you run into him, and you do a, give him a takedown. You bring him down to the ground, basically. Um, that is arguably though one of the most useful talents in the tree. No. Oh, absolutely, especially. The fact that he's going to have a minus five on his reflex defense next time I get to attack him. Exactly. Because he's prone right in front of you. So right. there you go. Yeah. Bad boys, bad boys. What you got to do? What you got to do when they come for you? Uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> By the way, do you, do you know Cops has been on the air over 20 years? Um, I can believe it. Yeah, I can believe that. That's wicked cool. I like it. So okay, let's 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 bring this to a conclusion. What 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 do I like best? Ultimately, what's the greatness of the, about this prestige class? Who doesn't like the popo, man? Seriously, is a um, popo. I mean, ultimately, it's just sometimes it's just damn fun to play a cop. Uh, between resources and a host of talents to enhance vehicle vehicular combat, ranged combat, melee combat, social encounters. This is one of the most generalized and broadly useful classes in the entire game. And it bugs me because most people give it the once over and they don't consider it again. Right. So I like that. But there's one other great thing I like about this class. Do you have any idea what that might be? Let me guess that you can take a level dip and get something good out of it. Damn Skippy. Yep. It is, what, what would you say, dip, dip-alicious? Hey, dip-alicious. It's dip-alicious. And we I freaking love We have just coined a new phrase <laughs> star wars Saga edition dipalicious dipalicious um yeah man this class is tailor-made for level dipping um it, granted it's not easy to get into but when you do get into it 
no matter your chosen method of combat or your area of expertise, there is something in the Enforcer talent tree that will benefit you greatly in some way. Uh, furthermore, and this is the icing on the cake, if you'll notice when you look at it, virtually every talent in the tree has no prerequisites. Yeah. Or prerequisites that are just negligible at best, okay? Like, you know, oh, you have to be trained in this skill, or you got to have a dex of this, okay? And they require a little long-term planning, which means that, you, you know, there's no there's no need to stay in this prestige class just to, you know, get access to the higher tiered talents. You don't have to do that. So it's just tailor-made for level dipping. I love it. Yep. So, Me too. Yeah. It is the Enforcer. And therefore highly recommended. <laughs> or somewhat recommended. Somewhat recommended. I'm excited. I've never seen one played. I really want to see one played. I've never seen one played, so... I don't know. The, the law enforcement game is kind of fun. It kind of goes up there with the... It's kind of the... I, I put it on. The, I put it on the same style as the, the. You know, like you have a fringe campaign where it's like, okay, we're a group of of hardened fringe characters, and we're running bounties for a local crime lord. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people like that because that style of game. Because one, it's fun. Two, it's really open ended, and um, three, you have the freedom to really go hog wild and and do some crazy stuff in pursuit of your goal, um, which can change almost from minute to minute. I think this kind of game that law enforcement game is in the same vein but it's from the opposite end of the spectrum what if i don't want to be a bad guy what yeah. if i don't want to work for a crime lord or a smuggler i just want to be a guy who gets my man you know what i mean right every every game could be a, a different mission a different bounty to bring in a different problem for that sector ranger to solve i mean it's marvelous for one shots or groups that have players moving in and out of each other constantly you know well this week you know you're you're working with uh you know sergeant uh Roem Figala in you know uh, on the team you know it's just yeah there's lots of wonderful implications for it so yep I likes it I do too man mm-hmm. I might even try and bust out a level or two so that would be fun that would be great aww you know what this means sad we've reached the end of another show it's so sad I know, oh, but it was a fun, 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 fun time. So, thank you for tuning, in, Gamer Nation. It was action-packed. It was fun. It was on time. That's right. Well, listen, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you guys have any requests for the show, any questions for the D20 Docking Bay, any show suggestions, you can of course email us at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. You can call the Lusa line, 206-600-5872. Or you can, of course, get to d20radio.com slash forum, log in, become a member of the Gamer Nation, and speak your mind. We troll those forums eerily, freakishly often. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So thanks for listening in, guys. Hope to talk to you next week. And this is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good game. That's right. Keep them dice a-rolling. Hey, Gamer Nation, this is Thorn 9, and I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Well, there was that one time in college, but I was just curious. D20 Radio, where gamers roll.
www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all names, pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Daydreaming with GM Dave. So, so now that we've done talking about the popo, <laughs> all right, I do want to bring up a couple of things that I'm excited about. One, if you didn't hear off the top of the show, which I'm sure you did because obviously you've been listening to the whole show, <laughs> there's a new trailer out on Star Wars The Old Republic, SWTR.com, and it confirms the bounty hunter. Dude. And they make mention of Jedi and Sith being classes. You know, so. Jedi, yeah. Sith, Bounty Hunter, and one of the others that they're talking about. One of the many others that they're talking about. Which leads me to believe that I'm guessing we're moving toward that. You're going to have a whole buttload of races. But we're probably looking at 10, maybe. Oh, if that. If that, classes. I mean, we're, you know, well, and when I say that, I'm saying five for each faction. And maybe maybe six for each faction, but three of them will overlap. You know, like, mm-hmm. you'll have Jedi or Sith on one side. You'll probably have Soldier for both. You'll have Bounty Hunter for both. But, you know, you may have something. You've got to have something akin to a medic or a cleric or something, you know. Yeah. Some yeah. kind of a healer. Uh, some kind of a, you know, there's a soldier, fighter, whatever, you know, tank. So, yeah. Anyway, those are your five basic, you know, you got a healer, you got a tank, you got a controller of sorts, you've got a um, ranged badass, you've got, you know, what else is there? Yeah, but then you then you can have classes that are mixes of the two. Like, I can't right. see bounty hunter fitting into any one of those niches. I can see it as a mix of maybe ranged combatant and controller or, sure. uh, you know, something to that effect. Right. So, I don't know. They, they, they could be going the route of having, you know, the like the five bases and then, you know, ten more that are mixes of the various five. Right. So. Yeah. So anyway, I was very excited by that. And listen to the Holocron and uh, get your butt up on SWTOR.com and, and check out those deals. Um, I have announced that uh, the Holocron for the first time on the SWTOR forums yeah. and uh, actually began getting email already. So it's, uh, it's a good thing, I guess. Awesome. You know, talking about people wanting in on the guild and... Uh, whatnot. So, the Order of Sixty Six. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Backstory for the Order of Sixty Six has hit YouTube and is awesome. up on the D Twenty Radio homepage. Now, if you go the homepage route, it requires QuickTime. It's a big ass download. Yeah. Um, there's also a link in the forums for the YouTube video. And if you guys have me as a friend, I've got the uh, YouTube link on my. Uh, Facebook page. Yeah. So uh, you guys can get to that, and it's kind of cool. It's a uh, you know I don't have an Apple, so I couldn't just make one of those 
crawls really easily. Like there's there's a program out there for the Apple that does that, and I don't have that obviously. So I had to use After Effects and and uh, Photoshop to to do mine. So it was a little bit more intensive, but still, it's it was fun making a crawl. It's rather impressive. Yeah. Have you have you seen it yet? Not yet. I'm about to watch it though when we're finished. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's not all that impressive, but it's a crawl. You know, it looks like Star yeah. Wars. It's got Star Wars music and all that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, uh, keep in mind, it's nowhere near the full backstory. It's simply the beginning of Revan going away and coming back and then going away again. But what he doesn't know and what no one in the galaxy knows is that his followers, the 66, came back. And that, uh, they begin telling their story to their descendants, who ultimately are us. We become the Order of 66. There is intentionally no mention of whether or not the 66 are still uh, among the dark side or if they are on the light side. Or both. Or both, exactly. So as, as we go further, and, and I, I do have to say that I am being persuaded one way or another. Most of the Gamer Nation said, let's play on the Republic side. Yeah, they did. Which is all well and good. I would... I've had three different emails with the same topic. Hey, you know what? You guys are going to be the biggest guild on whatever server you decide to go on. And, you know, and my buddies over at the instance would tell you they are the largest guild on their server, by far second largest guild in the game. Yeah. Over 3,000 members. Yeah. So they unbalance whichever side they go on. If they had gone Alliance they would have unbalanced the server load because most people play Alliance. Yeah. On this too, most people are going to play Jedi. So from a balanced perspective, do we take the Guild Sith if we have to make that choice? And I hope we don't have to make that choice. I hope we're going to remain neutral. Gotta help so too, yeah. But anyway, uh. these, are all, these are all decisions that we have to make later and there's an intention, there's a reason behind why we have not revealed any of the leanings either way of the Order of 66, but... As we move forward, we will tell more story. And uh, thanks to Fiddleback for writing a lot of this up. It was fantastic. Yeah, he did a great job. I was like, wow, that's creative as hell. I am very impressed. So, yeah, dude, I am i can't wait. But it, it is going to be absolutely huge. I know this game is going to consume my life when it comes out. That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I just... I, uh, I can't wait. I just can't wait. I get all excited thinking about it. I can't. Okay. Now, Geekapalooza. I have a somewhat announcement on Geekapalooza. Okay. That it will begin pre-production in two weeks. Awesome. Yep. And the focus has changed a little bit insofar as the primary motivation for the podcast is going to be something that I know a hell of a lot about. Yeah. Being photography. Oh. And as it relates to various aspects of imaging and, and photography and then gaming and other geek stuff on top of that. So it it's going to wind up being a natural extension of my professional photographizations. And uh, my co-host, who you know pretty well. I do. Is also into... Um, Photography, scrapbooking, all that good stuff, too. But, rest assured, we will still talk movies, games, 
geek stuff. All that stuff. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, come out. <laughs> I can't wait for this to come out. Come out with your dice up. Oh, I like stop or my Wookiee will shoot. <laughs> I just looked over and I saw some of these... Um, I looked over and saw some of these. Yeah, they're already they're sending us show titles. It's great. Wookie rookies and Barabel beat cops. That's pretty good too. The naked blaster. No, I don't know about that. But uh, oh, special thanks to G dot Bat. Oh, I heard about this. Indeed, special many many thanks for G dot Bat who secured Danica Patrick's autograph on an official. Indy 500 program and sending it to me. Isn't that awesome? That is totally awesome. It's cool. You know. Well, aren't you just special? Now all I need is one sign that's like, uh, it's got these, it's these, this picture of her just looking out from her helmet. You know, it's open and all you see is her eyes. Mm, I love that picture. I don't know why. You just see her eyes behind the helmet. <laughs> Makes me melt. That's why I joined the, um, the Danica Patrick fan club, you know, on, on uh, Facebook. Oh, did you now? I did. Oh, wow. Uh, mainly because she's hot. The intertubes will never be the same. Never. Never be the same. Okay, so we didn't we didn't talk about it last... Um... Uh, you're going to do- you're going to Watchmen, aren't you? Oh, uh, yeah. We didn't talk about it last uh, last Sunday because I was just flabbergasted. Okay. Um, all right. So, yeah. all right. Let's, let's get the elephant out of the room and let's talk about Blue Dingus. Let's talk about... Okay, okay, okay. I've, if you've read the comic, you know you know that Dr. Manhattan walks around completely nude. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's so gone from humanity, he doesn't even care anymore. Right. It's just simpler for him. And, yeah, he had this big dork that was swinging around, and it looked like a baby's arm holding an apple. So what? Okay? I, nobody really had a problem with it in the theater, except for the one immature jerkwad up in, like, the middle of the theater, who every time it moved would go... <laughs> and you just... Oh, dude... You know, grow a libido. My God, um, grow a libido. What? Uh, I I don't know. It was just like it was still trying to form. You know, he was. <laughs> I'm just, dude. Give me, give me a break. I mean, con- considering everything else, that that was not the elephant in the room by any stretch of the imagination. Oh no, you're talking about. Um, you're talking about the uh, owl. Um, you're talking about night owl sex scene. Uh, well. That it was a little more graphic than what was represented in the comic. Um, hey, you know what? There are two in the comic, and there was only one in the movie. I agree. Well, no, there was. They had no. Well, they had two, and they had two in the movie too. It was they were very close to each other. Well, I mean, there's um, one at the end that didn't show up. Oh yeah, you're you're correct. That is correct. Um, but you know, it, okay. Here's the thing about Watchmen. Okay, there were a lot of scenes, and this is why Zack Snyder directed it brilliantly. There's a lot of scenes that watching it made you feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah, and I'll that's finish necessary. Your right there. Yep. It's part of the plot of the film. It's part of the, 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 the point of it is it's trying to show you the uncomfortableness of certain things. And that sex scene, although it was a great sex scene, um, <laughs> it, it was mildly uncomfortable because of that. You're just like, wow, okay, this person next to me in the theater and I'm watching this. Holy crap. And that, so that imparted something. You know, I, I thought there was a point to it, but. I don't know. Listen, I talked to people that loved it, and I talked to people that hated it. And um, 
most of the really hardcore Watchmen fans I talked to absolutely hated it because it wasn't exactly 100% like the comic book. Oh, they need to get over it because that movie was as close to a comic book as any movie I've ever seen. I mean, he stayed so true to the freaking book, it was unbelievable. It was it was great. The only thing missing was the Black Freighter, but that's being released uh, yes. on a separate DVD. Already um, seen it. Oh no, I haven't. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's being released on a separate DVD, and it's rocks. So Dude, it, it's I awesome. mean, yeah, yeah. The, the Watchmen experience will still be there. The other thing people hooting hot about was the fact that spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, stop listening for the next twenty okay. seconds. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is a yeah. this is this is a show listened to primarily by geeks, and if you have not read the comic book, shame on you. Okay, yes, but it's possible people haven't. But either way, if people may not have seen the movie yet, they may be upset about the fact that spoiler alert: the ending is mildly, slightly different. Okay, a little bit, yeah, a little Which bit. In the to, fact yeah. that okay, so so. So Ozymandias' whole thing was that he had to manufacture this artificial threat in order to get the entire world to unite behind it to stop global war, okay? In the comic book, it was this this giant squid-like being that was like the size of Manhattan Island that he dropped and teleported over New York City, and it just fell, and the psychic shockwaves killed, you know, millions and millions of people. Um, and it united everybody. Now, in the film, he actually makes it look like Dr. Manhattan did it when in fact he didn't. Um, <clears throat> and so it beats people of the earth uniting against Dr. Manhattan. who's this new grave threat. It served the same purpose in the storyline, but ultimately it did something else unexpected. It turned Dr. Manhattan into a reviled figure in the public's eyes, which he wasn't necessarily as reviled um, in the comic. Right. So I don't know. What do you think about that? That's the only point toward the end there that it diverged, and it, it was, it was. I, but I mean, I don't, I don't have that big a problem, I guess, with it because I'm not hardcore. I, I don't walk in there expecting to have a movie that goes exactly like a book, you yeah. know. I, I don't expect that. I expect it to have some liberties, and that being said, there were not that many liberties taken here. So that right. one, I, I can overlook. Besides, Doctor Manhattan is one of those that's just a little bit off, and. I don't mind him being a villainous of sorts, you know? Well, he's not really, but I mean, being considered that way, you know? And well, Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. He, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, one of these it, things is not like the others, but anyway, you know. I mean, and that's, and that's the other thing, too, is that it, it lended credence to him leaving the Earth. It lended credence to him leaving and never come back, never coming back. At that point, you know, the way the world, the situation of the world is, he shouldn't come back. Right. He, he's divorced himself from humanity. He's going to go play God somewhere, and that's fine. Right. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. All in all, a good movie. I thought it was phenomenal. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. So I, um, but I, I will say this: I was actually very pre- pleased and proud. Um, I I I knew a guy, a buddy of mine, who went to go see the film, and he saw it on Saturday, I think, after opening. And he's in there, and he's on the third row, and he sees a guy walk in with his eight-year-old kid. Oh, no, no, no. If you have not seen this movie, do not take your children. Good gravy. The amount of extreme violence and sex in this film is rather incredible. Violence, but, sex, blue dingus, you know. I mean, okay, but but so my buddy is seeing this, and he's just kind of like, and he actually has the cojones to get up and go talk to the guy and say, dude, 
you don't want your kid to see this. And he's like, well, why not? I mean, he's he's old enough. I understand it's an R-rated film, but I'm here with him. You know, and I'm like, okay, no, I mean, I mean, you don't understand how R-rated it is. I, I was like, you know, what other R-rated it's movies have you taken? It's damn near an NC-17. It's damn near. And and he, t- he, he the guy the guy told my friend that he took his kid to, to see The Dark Knight, and he was he was okay Nowhere with close. that. Nowhere close. And I'm like, no, we're even close. Well, that was R-rated. Yeah, but. There's it, R it really and there's, there's R and then there's soft core R. <laughs> yeah, there's R and there's R. <laughs> yeah. And this was R. So Yeah. Now, did the did the guy take his kid out at yes, some point? He did. He, yes, he did. And, and and my buddy was like, "Look, dude, I'm not you know, I'm not trying to tell you anything. I'm just letting you know, man. This is this is really rough. You you may want to watch it yourself before your kid. I just didn't know didn't didn't want you to come to that realization 20 minutes into the movie." And he was like, okay, well, okay, thank you. And he took his kid and they left. Before the movie started? So I gave I gave props to my buddy. I'm like, man. Wow. Go. Good for you for having the cojones to say something to somebody. I know, man. Yeah, most people would have just been like, oh, 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 what an awful dad. Oh, what an awful parent. Never assuming. The guy just didn't know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would have been, well, not with this movie, but with other movies I've taken my daughter into, you know, to see a movie that I didn't know anything about beforehand. Yeah. In this case, just knowing what I know about the comic book and all that, I, you know, it's not something I would have taken her to. Hell, I won't let her see it until she's like 20. <laughs> well, she can buy it when she's 18. I hate to burst your bubble there. Mm, you know. <laughs> I still have some manner of control, at least a little bit. This is true. Yeah, so... Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I, I can't wait to go see it again. I think next weekend we'd plan, we had plans to go uh, with a group of my wife's friends from work. We were going to go see it on the IMAX. Ah. The ginormous 3D screen. That, I know it's not a 3D movie, but it's still a ginormous screen. Very good. Very cool. Very, very cool. Awesome. What else we got? I don't know, man. I'm kind of running dry. I'm also hungry. I want to go get something to eat. Yeah, you know. I guess that's about. I guess that's about time then for us to wrap it up. <laughs> A beautiful show. Thank you very much to Twi'lek Goodness. Thank you to Fiddleback. Thank you to Alex, Trevor, and all our regular contributors that help make this show possible. Look forward to a new homepage looking thing in the near future you guys can get a glimpse of it if you go to the general banter and click on the um, announcement that is there that shows you kind of a prelude or a preview of what the new homepage thing is going to look like it is flash based so those of you that do not have flash get it get it now yes and we're going to try and get a like a non-flash alternative but it's not going to be anything more than just a link page from correct. Yeah, it'll be yeah. So. Go to the go to the homepage, go to the forums. Yeah. So, go get there flash. You go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, Gamer Nation. Good night. Good luck. Thank you for allowing us to invade your personal space and we say stay hard, keep jamming. And we'll see ya.